Hello and welcome everyone to We'll Be Right Back, the future of hospitality. On We'll Be Right Back, we interview people from every corner of the service and hospitality industry, as well as representatives from organizations providing relief and resources as we learn how to manage and settle into this new reality after COVID-19. I am your host, Greg Tilton. Today I am joined by Aaron Galemore. Aaron is the Chief Eats Officer and founder of Brass Roots, a CPG or consumer packaged goods company here in New Orleans. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. Please introduce yourself and Brass Roots. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I founded and run Brass Roots, which is a healthy snacks company based here in New Orleans. We use a pretty unique ingredient called the Sacha Inchi Seed, which is an allergen-free, healthier version, actually, of, of almonds and peanuts. And we have three different product lines, a high-protein line of puffs, uh, like healthy Cheetos. We have a Sacha Inchi butter. That's a peanut butter replacement. And we're about to launch just selling the the roasted seasoned seeds themselves. I also run New Orleans Food and Beverage, which is a nonprofit and group here in New Orleans that uh, connects all CPG companies in the food and beverage realm in the kind of Southern Louisiana region. So we actually haven't had a whole lot of experience on the show yet with the CPG side of things. We've had some businesses that are having their supply chains affected that are having to think about not just how to even physically transport the stuff, but how to handle sanitation and how their vendors are doing. Can you talk a bit about how companies like yours are dealing with their supply chains, their production, how you're even launching a new product soon or releasing a seasonal product soon? How are you making this work? Yeah, it's, I think our problems are relatively unique to our industry versus the, let's say the food service industry or restaurant industry in certain ways. So I think on the demand side of things, the COVID-19 situation is awful in every respect. The CPG industry and food and beverage, you know, under the CPG umbrella is actually probably benefiting in some ways from what's going on, or at least uh, seeing demand pick up because people are at home, they're looking for non-perishable ingredients and snacks and food items. So the companies that package those goods are seeing a demand uplift. And certainly right after the quarantines and isolations started to take effect, that's when that demand started. And so a lot of them had to, including us, look at our ability to meet that increased demand. So what a lot of companies in CPG have had to do is just kind of go through their entire supply chain make sure that all of their suppliers are able to continue to fulfill orders and don't see any disruptions. We've also had to make sure in cases where we produce our products in-house, really make sure that we're following extra sanitation, extra scrutinizing sanitation procedures, really follow guidelines that are set by some of the, the local and federal governing bodies around social distancing in the workplace, around wearing masks, PPE. You know, we still have to have our employees who are working in production wear PPE, for example, to make sure nothing is getting spread via food and, and, and maybe most importantly, nothing getting spread between them because food has been less of a worry in terms of a spreader of, of COVID-19. We also have one of our product lines is contract manufactured. So we're, I'm in constant communication with them. 
Yeah, you mentioned that in your pre-call about kind of the unique challenges there where it's not just about running your own facility and your own processes, but also making sure that others are adhering because otherwise it's kind of in vain. Exactly, exactly. And and, and thankfully, they're a really well-respected company. They're way ahead of the ball game in terms of I'm just making sure everybody is is practicing those the safe food production procedures, and you know we source a very unique ingredient called tacha inji seed, as I mentioned, and that comes out of Thailand. And I'm in constant communication with our supplier there. They've had their own shutdown, and you know things are in terms of getting the seeds from farm to the roasting facility, for example, you know, that all takes longer and then getting it set up and shipped across the ocean that takes longer as well. So we've had to adjust knowing that lead times are much different. So just some, some examples there, but I think it's uh, everybody is dealing with it in, in their own different ways. And we are fortunate in the industry overall, I'd say, that the demand has has actually increased. Yeah, you also mentioned in our call that your e-commerce kind of exploded during March and you kind of had to really kick your plans to expand into that into overdrive, doing more social media advertising, more email marketing, that I believe the phrase you said was, we had to lean right in. And so can you tell us a bit about kind of how e-commerce is changing your business and maybe where you kind of see that going down the line? Is it gonna be a permanent fixture for you? Yeah, I think it was important for us, like a lot of businesses, to look at the new reality. And I think there are some effects that we can all agree will be, you know, minimum of a few months and maybe up to a year. There are other effects that might be a lot more, you know, longer lasting. So one thing that happened immediately is that all retailers with whom we were working on pitching our products to basically put their new brand, new product processes on hold indefinitely. So we had a lot of resources being put into getting our products into new stores that had to get put on hold. And we had, we diverted those resources into the e-commerce channel because that is where much of our, much of the demand and CPG industry went. So we actually reformulated a little bit of our short-term strategy, as you said, leaned right in to e-commerce, specifically Amazon. We could all see even Amazon, by the way, is struggling mightily with the increased demand and the logistics required. But we saw this as an opportunity to really embrace the increased demand, increased number of shoppers who are now comfortable with ordering things online. I think there's a um, there's a segment of our population that probably hadn't touched Amazon before, and now they're comfortable with it. And that's going to be a long-term change. We worked on email marketing campaigns, Facebook leads and ads adding a lot of those projects and tasks to our to to our strategy, um, knowing what was going on in the short term and maybe the long term. Yeah, I can only imagine that this is going to become a more permanent fixture because I believe what you said was you'd always kind of plan to do more expansive e-commerce stuff. But what a lot of businesses are discovering right now, several of our discussions have indicated this, all these things they've kind of push back a little bit. Maybe it was a website overhaul. Maybe it was stronger social media presence. Maybe it was rethinking their kitchen. All this stuff now, they're kind of like, well, I don't have an excuse to not address it now. (laughs) Whether it was either they had a lot of time on their hands or their very business survival depended on it. In your case, not that maybe your survival depended on it, but this e-commerce was obviously became a primary concern for you. You were priming more for grocery work, which obviously now is more difficult, or rather grocery store distribution. 
where do you see that going now? As you said, people are more comfortable shopping on Amazon, using Uber Eats, uh, even ordering. A lot of restaurants have now integrated online delivery and curbside pickups in a way they hadn't before. And I imagine many will keep it. So what we're seeing is kind of an acceleration of online consumption in the space of food and as you have CPGs, right? So what do you think the impacts are going to be on grocery stores with this? Where, where do you kind of see that going? I think this is definitely a catalyst for accelerating some already transformational changes that were that were occurring in kind of consumer behavior. I think one example is you've seen Instacart explode in terms of volume and how much they are delivering. I literally hadn't heard of them until this started. I think I'd seen the occasional logo at grocery stores, but you're right, like it's everywhere now. Exactly. I think all of these services that facilitate the last mile of delivery of food from grocery store to home will see some sort of lasting uplift in their sales and their volume and the number of people they're servicing. I don't have the, the uh, crystal ball that says what those numbers are going to be, but, but I think it's not as if this is going to go back to the status quo pre-COVID-19. I think grocery stores are going to adapt. They, they all, most of them had some ability to deliver, whether through their own in-house services or more likely through a third party. And now I think they're going to continue to lean on that more and more. I think that stuff is here to stay. I think people will get comfortable with delivery. I don't know about you, but the last time I was in a grocery store, I wanted to get in and get out. Oh, I'm so hyper aware of what I'm making contact with and who I'm around. It's, it's a very stressful experience right now. Absolutely. And, and, you know, maybe some of that subsides once there's a vaccine, but I still think people will get, you know, there, there's a new element of comfort that shoppers have with delivery and getting their grocery items a different way. I think grocery stores inevitably, you know, we'll, we'll see a longer term, I should say a, a near term and longer term reduction in the traffic. I can't really see a scenario where that doesn't happen or where they, where they get an increased traffic over time. Definitely lots of transformational changes that are being accelerated by this. Yeah, kind of a grim comparison I heard the other day was, you kind of mentioned earlier, there's some stuff we really can't predict, but obviously things are going to change. Someone brought up how post 9-11, you know, there's a lot of ways things could have gone. I'm sure a lot of people made predictions, but I'm sure that, you know, some people probably saw this, but it's 2020 and our airport experience is completely informed by that incident, right? It still is. And that will like, that is basically like a cultural hallmark in America at this point is the airport experience. It's so informed by that one moment. And so I imagine, like you said, you know, with the grocery stores, people will be cool going again, but I just, part of me wonders if there's not going to be this almost like collective hangover and grocery stores are just going to be this space that we're all a hair more reluctant to visit. Absolutely. You know, in addition to that, the, the benefits, people were forced now to use other options in some instances, not, not always, but you know, the people are still going to the grocery store, but they're definitely being forced to use different options instead of that physical visit for certain items. And now they're going to, because of that forceful change, I guess, they're going to see some benefits to those new options. And, and that creates this lasting trend, you know, behavioral change. And the one thing I'd add too is like what this does for CPG companies, just taking the example of a shopper that wants to get into a grocery store and get the heck out immediately, they are not susceptible 
to a new brand being introduced to them. They're not embracing new items and like doing consumer research in the grocery store. So for a new brand, that means that I have to kind of take my marketing outside of the store, pre-grocery store in all instances. How do I get them to taste the product, see the product, feel it, understand it, understand our brand before they go in a grocery store? It's a difficult new challenge for, for CPG companies. That didn't even occur to me. That's such a good point. That just shows you how, you know, <laughs> I'm not in, in the grocery side of things or the CPG side, but it's true. I mean, a hallmark in my kitchen now is Parish Coffee. It's made out in Kenner, I believe. And I buy their bag of grinds and I make cold brew with it almost all the time now because it's affordable and tasty and I'm just happy with it. But I found it because at Bromart, they had a little special stand in the middle of the coffee aisle with a bunch of these Parish coffees. And they were so cheap that I went, you know what? I'll try a local coffee. Like I like to grind my own beans. I'm all purist about my coffee, but I was like, eh, screw it. Let's try something local. And they've made a lot of money off of me because of that. I would have never bought that with an online service. I would have continued to buy the beans I know and like. The whole point is convenience and speed when you get online in a lot of ways. Yeah, we, we've done, you know, we've added samplings um, to our e-commerce, our, our, our social media ads and offerings because we have to get people to try our product because it's food and it tastes good, but you can't try it. You can't buy it unless you taste it in, in many instances. And so we, you know, we're, we're offering free samples to people because that's that's kind of our best option. We know the conversions to customers um, are usually pretty high when they taste it. Well, imagine Costco without their famous free samples. Exactly. This leads us into something I'm really interested to talk about. You had mentioned before our recording that you were working on this new initiative with restaurants and CPG companies. It was kind of in development at the time, and so I know we decided to wait a little bit just so we could talk about it on the air. And I'm actually really curious to hear what... What's this new project you've been working on? Yeah, absolutely. You know, about a year ago is when I started the New Orleans Food and Beverage Group, called No Fat for short. And the idea was, hey, we we know New Orleans uh, has an amazing restaurant and food service industry. We also have some pretty neat packaged food companies here, um, and I include you know distilleries, beverage companies, and that as well. And so we created this group with the idea that. New Orleans needs to diversify its economy within the food realm and maybe maybe work on the packaged food side of things, maybe uh, create some manufacturing here. We've got a great brand as a city and people want to buy that, not just in restaurants, but sometimes in the comfort of their own grocery store in another state. And so the that sparked some other wheels turning and we've gotten some support from local uh, economic development bodies, including uh, GNO Inc. And they've been incredibly supportive and have now kind of joined forces with NoFab to, as a result of COVID-19, to actually help restaurant owners and operators with the idea of helping them potentially package and sell their items on the menu, whether or, or just you know, simply food creations they have because they are chefs and they know what they're doing in the food space. So it's really helping them potentially pivot, given this this situation, pivot and and figure out a new source of income and a way to leverage their culinary skills and their brand and still get a source of income without operating their restaurant. So I am a chef and I have my restaurant here in town 
and I want to get involved in this. What does that look like? We just are at the beginning of this. We started with a webinar where we had myself and a couple of other speakers within the CPG industry and, and e-commerce fulfillment talking and answering questions about what it would look like for a restaurant operator or chef to make their first foray into into this industry and we so we answered questions from you know everything like how would i produce in small scale to how would i fulfill to where would i start in terms of getting my first customers uh, things like that and we just get gauge reactions and we got a lot of great feedback and that was kind of our our signal that this is something we should develop and continue with and so the idea is going to be and again it's all kind of still coming together but the idea is going to be bringing experienced experts from within New Orleans, from outside New Orleans, getting them to speak to our city and the people, you know, the restaurant operators and other interested folks about different aspects of this, you know, the CPG industry. So things like what are the trends in in the growing CPG segments? So organic, obviously, you know, that's that's one example of a trend that's that's been growing and continues to grow. People are buying organic foods over non-organic foods, things like that. And so the idea is just to educate and empower the the entrepreneurs here, the chefs, the restaurant owners, so that they, if they have the interest, they feel they've got the tools and the support here to pursue that, let's just say, you know, that salad dressing that they their customers already love and that they want to to you know put in a bottle and sell. So it's very much designed to be educational workshops, bring yeah, like you said, bringing in experts, bringing in the relevant knowledge and helping people be able to take it up themselves. Exactly. And and I want to add connecting them to the right folks and resources here. So in this example, you know, there's, there's manufacturing wise, there are some potential capabilities we have here in New Orleans already, where, if you know, you might be able to package your salad dressing right here within the next two weeks by just getting connected to the right person. So things like that. Part of the goal here, of course, is to add jobs, and it's to help our economy, in addition to helping our entrepreneurs. And, and I think the city and Gino Inc., believe in the entrepreneur and its ability, his or her ability to to help our city long term. And so, uh, yeah, that's the plan. It's early stages. Gino Inc. has been fantastic in supporting it. And I think we're going to see a lot of benefits come from it in not only the short term, but really like a long term, potentially transformational change in addition to, to what New Orleans can do. That's incredible. And thank you so much for working on an initiative. I'm sure that a lot of people are going to benefit from this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're excited. I'm, I'm really excited. We've got people who, who can offer some really, really tasty, amazing food and beverage items, and they're going to succeed if they pursue it. I really believe that, and, and it'll help our city too. I always kind of like to wrap up towards the end with questions about where do we go from here and kind of what's next for Brass Roots. So what's next? Where do you kind of see grassroots going? I know we talked about e-commerce, but what do you kind of foresee in the next six to 12 months really changing for y'all or any permanent fixtures to your business, even if it's just an ethos or if it's as granular as our cleaning and sanitation practices will never be the same? I mean, what what's up? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, you know, we're fortunate in that 
our value add for customers from our products is only I, I think more evident with what has happened. And you know, we offer products that are highly nutritious and you get a lot of bang for your buck with them from a macronutrient perspective. And I think people are, are that that's of utmost premium right now is you know getting the nutrition you need from on the go snack and foods in general and non-perishables. And so I think that is we're fortunate and that that's going to continue to be a great product to offer and a great line of products to offer. Going forward, you know, what I really want is we we have this Sacha Inchi seed and very few people know about it. It's really this it's a, an incredibly special seed. You know, we both from a nutrition standpoint, when you compare it to things like almonds, it's allergen free, but it's also it gives back a lot along the supply chain, which is what's so fantastic about it. You know, our supplier in Thailand and Laos, he, he runs schools for kids there and helps them give them job training through his Sacha Inchi program that we're involved with. And so what we need to do as a company and what we're going to be focused on is just educating people about what we're doing and about the Sacha Inchi seed and about our products. You know, that, that the lasting change is that much of that communication is going to have to be done virtually. Most brands, in fact, all brands basically have some sort of social media presence as already, but now it's changed. I mean, we, we have, that's, that is our best single form of communication with customers. You know, it's, it's virtual, it's digital email and social media. So conveying everything to them about the Sacha and GC, about our products is, is what we have. That's our biggest challenge. And that's what we're going to be focused on. You know, we're doing tons of like video. I'm trying to get as much out there as possible because consumers are doing that kind of work now in terms of educating themselves on products and brands. They look at, they, they actually view and listen to these videos, for example. So that's uh, the consumer education piece is what we're most focused on. That's what we're trying to do. And, and ultimately what I want to, to have happen is for us you know, we're going to have, we have, we have several products already on the back burner that we can add to our lineup. And ultimately what I want is to create a brand that people believe in and trust so much that they're going to subscribe to our products and, and, and fill their pantries with our snacks, you know, on a monthly basis and just have them there. And that's, that's ultimately what I want to build. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. This has been so informative. I've learned so much about this. Even just learning about, I can never pronounce it, Sasha Inchi? Sasha Inchi, you got Sasha Inchi. I had never heard of it until our pre-call, and I just kind of went down the Wikipedia rabbit hole. It's just always interesting when you learn about like a food that you literally didn't know existed. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so thank you so much for bringing your wealth of knowledge to the show. Is there anything else you want to cover? No, I think that's it. I appreciate you having me on, Greg. And um, yeah, I look forward to, to listening to the, the rest of your podcast. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Thank you. And before we go, of course, can I get those shameless plugs? Where can we find you? Where can we find Brass Roots? Yeah, absolutely. So we're on Amazon. Um, with our products. We have a store locator on our website. So you can see which stores uh, we're sold in. For those who are local, you'll be able to find us in Rouse's, hopefully within the next month, maybe three weeks. And then also in Whole Foods within about three months. Well, the nice thing is by the time this episode drops, it'll be just about time for Rouse's probably. I'd say probably about a week and a half out. So uh, y'all can all get excited and try out these awesome products, hopefully sooner rather than later. 
<laughs> Great. I'm doing that uh, th- that out of grocery store marketing that we're that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> there you go. And uh, is there any social media or anything you want in there too? Yeah, that'd be great. So we're on Instagram or at at grassroots food. Same with Facebook, grassroots food on Facebook as well. And then our website's just grassrootsfood.com. Again, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so great. And I really look forward to having you on again, hopefully under better circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. I hope everybody out there is uh, is healthy and, and their families as well. Thanks, Greg. Of course. You take care. Thank you so much for listening to We'll Be Right Back, the future of hospitality. Each episode, we will be highlighting a different organization contributing to the relief effort here in New Orleans. This episode, we would like to highlight the Made in New Orleans Foundation. Mino envisions a New Orleans hospitality industry that leads the world in growing, supporting, and financing the success of people of color. They use a multidisciplinary approach to address and eliminate disparities facing hospitality professionals of color. In response to COVID-19, Mino is providing immediate emergency financial aid and resources, supporting career and business recovery, and providing online programming to amplify the voices of hospitality professionals of color. To learn more, head on over to MinoFoundation.org. That's M-I-N-O Foundation.org. We'll Be Right Back is produced by me, Greg Tilton. My co-producers are Barry Schwartz of My House Events and Elizabeth Tilton of Oyster Sunday. Barry and Elizabeth are offering incredible resources and services during this time through their New Orleans-based businesses, as well as collecting and sharing various initiatives by other individuals and organizations. All of these are linked in the show description, so please make sure to check them out. You can follow us on Twitter for the latest updates and to let us know what's up, at RightBackNola. Please also consider leaving a review for us on whatever podcast platform you fancy. It helps us know what you think, and it helps people find the show. Our cover art was created by Eugenie McClellan. Our show's music was produced by Sarisu. We have links to their work in the show notes, so give them some love. 